All right. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. Here with our good friend Mike. It is 11.47 p.m. And this is what we do on a holiday weekend. It's Thanksgiving. Mike, do you have anything for which you'd be willing to give thanks? <laughs> well, it's been an interesting couple of days to start off. You know, Thanksgiving up in Canada, but uh, Trump supporters weren't feeling very thankful over the course of the last few days with the drop of this whole Trump tape that came out and the entire Republican establishment abandoning Trump. Boy, it's almost like that was planned in some way, shape or form. It's almost like the order came down from on high not to support Trump as this was happening because they don't want him to win. And he was doing really well in all the internal polling. Now that well, be. sorry, just interrupt for a sec, but but. To be fair, I don't think abandoning is the right words. So, so for instance, if I abandon something, you know, let's say something I have is not working, I just abandon it by the side of the road, I don't necessarily put a shiv in it and then drive back and forth over it several times. I think it's like the way you would, quote, abandon uh, a, a body that you've been responsible for taking the life out of. I, I think abandonment is, is a, very, it's a very nice phrase. I'm not sure it's hugely accurate as to the malevolent intent. Yeah, so pretty much the Republican establishment proved the point that I've made earlier that this is not just Donald Trump versus the Democrats. This is not just Donald Trump versus the liberal media. This is Donald Trump versus the Republican establishment, which is not that different from the Democratic establishment. They have the same bosses, the same people that donate to campaigns and fund them and want favors. And Trump winning completely kicks over the apple cart, and they tried to take him out over the last few days. And as we see with the debate tonight, and we'll get to this in a bit, it didn't really work. But I know going into this debate, ah, lots of Trump supporters were worried, and I don't like the feeling of relying on political action as it stands, personally. I mean, I don't like <laughs> the helplessness feeling, because, you know, we're far less help helpless than other people that, you know, don't have a show, and can't put facts out there and that type of thing and can't communicate to a large group of people. But even with this, I still feel helpless, like, OK, I'm dependent on Donald Trump or someone else or, you know, people voting in Donald Trump for something to maybe happen. It just feels gross. I don't like it. And going into this with everything over the last few days, it was, you know, probably the worst it's been during this time because I've been very confident this entire entire election that Trump was going to go all the way. In the last couple of days, I did have a little like, ooh, this is tough. This is tough. But going into the debate, uh, things worked out well. And right before the debate, we, we got a surprise, Steph. We got a bit of a surprise. Go on. Well, Donald Trump called a press conference. He posted this video up on Facebook. Oh, that surprise. That surprise. Okay. A little bit of a surprise. Um, you know, he was finishing up his debate prep, but instead of having, you know, generals and those type of people with him. He had Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Willey, Paula Jones, and Kathy Shelton. Wait, wait, I know this one. <clears throat> Alex, is the category women who've accused Bill Clinton of various forms of sexual impropriety ranging from, say, sexual harassment to outright rape? Well, that applies to when I, Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Willey, and Paula Jones, but Kathy Shelton is a, an interesting case, and I really encourage people that don't know this name and don't know this story to go watch Paul Joseph Watson's recent video on it, which, I mean, just nails it perfectly. Uh, Kathy Shelton was raped at 12 years old, and Hillary Clinton served as the attorney for the person that raped Kathy Shelton, and she, Hillary Clinton did everything in her power to discredit Kathy's story and ended up getting the rape, the rapist off after two months um, of time served for the case. And there's 
a whole litany of it, including Hillary Clinton on tape laughing about, you know, boy, I put him up on the stand. We gave him a polygraph and ha ha ha, it forever ruined my confidence in polygraphs. Ha ha ha. She's on tape laughing, clearly knowing that this guy was guilty, that she got him off from raping this 12 year old girl and knowing and she's on tape laughing about it, which is eight million times worse than anything you could ever pull up with Donald Trump. Donald Trump did get a rapist out of jail and, uh, you know, laugh as a 12-year-old has had her life destroyed. And Kathy Shelton's talked about it. It's, uh, you know, it's been a very hard road for her. So, you know, our friends over at WeSearcher, Charles C. Johnson and company, actually were uh, intricately involved in getting her to the debate. And, yeah, she was there with uh, the three others and Donald Trump for a press conference. They all laid out, you know, why they were there, their history with the Clintons. And at the end, you know, the press jumped in, you know, like, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, you know, are you, what, what about these accusations of you just grabbing women, you know, and all this? And Paula Jones, gotta love her, just jumped right up and said, why don't you ask Bill Clinton that? How come you don't ask Hillary Clinton about that? How come you're asking Donald Trump? Oh, it's great. So great. You got to find the clip up on YouTube if you uh, <laughs> haven't seen this. So uh, pretty much the entire media immediately shut up. Because they had someone there that was going to call them out that, you know, you can't attack Paula Jones. <laughs> well, they're going to try, but you can't attack Paula Jones at this point. So that, that's what we had right before the debate. So we knew going in there was going to be some fireworks. And Roger Stone also commented and said that there was a covert plan to get Donald Trump. Apparently, Hillary Clinton was going to leave him hanging for the handshake. And that was going to be the big, like, ooh, gotcha. She didn't shake his hand. So if you actually, if you watch the tape, you could see Trump going in there, and he's like, is she putting out her hand? Like, it's a very coy. You could watch him step in. It's very interesting, knowing what's going on. And, of course, there's no handshake before, but the whole plan was she was going to leave him hanging for the handshake, and then Anderson Cooper was going to ask, you know, why did you not shake his hand? And then she was going to go right into the stuff from the Trump tape, and it was going to be a full-on assault from the word go. And she didn't get the chance to do that because Donald Trump foiled her plan. It leaked because I think some Democrats are very concerned about, you know, Hillary Clinton agitating a war with Russia. You know, they don't want to die in a nuclear holocaust. So um, that that's, you know, setting the table for where we are. Concerned Trump supporters, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump sitting on the debate stage with two moderators that in the past have been very supportive and said nice things about Hillary Clinton, including Anderson Cooper, who was a notable past member of the Clinton Global Initiative. That's totally unbiased. I can't imagine why the nonpartisan Clinton or the nonpartisan Presidential Debate Commission chose someone like Anderson Cooper. Oh, wait, because they're all completely in the tank for Hillary Clinton. <sighs> so, Steph, what were the things in this debate that stood out the most to you? Well, just just to sort of jump into the, the, the before the debate thing. Yeah, it was it was frustrating just seeing the conversation which – of course, everybody with any brains wants to be on issues, spiral off, and, and just seeing this same planet, different worlds. You know, without philosophy, we simply can't get to any meaningful truth that we can share. It's all just bias and prejudice. So when Donald Trump says, you know, there are, there are fame groupies, um, they're also called star frackers, I think, in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> but these the, the sort of fame groupies, he's saying, oh, yeah, you can grab them, they, they love it, and so on. This apparently just becomes him outwardly like an octopus, uh, an evil octopus with with hatchet hands, sexual uh, assault everywhere, recommending and so on. And that's how Anderson Cooper started it. And he's on I mean, tape does... admitting to sexually assaulting women. I mean, I listened and, to and that tape. And I didn't hear that, but you know, I'm I'm not yeah. completely biased and in the tank for Hillary. 
And, and you know, the, uh, of course, the men, and we know exactly who that's, that's designed for female consumption, right? And, and this, to me, is, uh, you know, it's either very insulting to women or it's not. And I don't know which is more insulting to women, right? Because uh, obviously men recognize that as locker room talk and it's braggadocio, as was pointed out uh, in our last video. It's not real talk. It's not like he's going out there, you know, like Uncle Spanky Fingers just grabbing everything that, that moves. Um, and so men weren't particularly bothered by it and thought it was a little uncouth. But, you know, if you look in the mirror, we've all been there at one time or another in various topics. It's not so much sex with me, maybe more politics or philosophy, but we've all been there. So this is like women. Now, of course, there are women out there who genuinely have been sexually assaulted, which is a terrible thing. And I don't think they're very confused about what Donald Trump. So it's, I don't know, some sort of hysteria focused on women and it just became really, really annoying. And I thought that the debate as a whole was this giant pendulum back and forth between feels and facts, uh, appearance and reality, um, emotionality, hysteria and actual pragmatic solutions. And uh, for the first 15 minutes, though, man, I thought we weren't getting out of the estrogen quagmire into anything that even remotely recognized reality because, um, you know, Anderson Cooper, basically his first question, you know, you sexually, you, you know, you sexually assaulted this, you know, you're talking about sexually, sexual assault, just how many times can you accordion in the phrase sexual assault when asking your, your first question? And uh, boy, I mean, it set the whole tone up. I wasn't sure we were going to escape that tone, break orbit from Cuck Planet, but boy, did we ever after a while. Well, not to mention that, first off, Hillary won a coin toss, so she could answer the question, Hillary Clinton's great at these coin toss. I'd love to see the other side of this supposed two-sided coin. Two-faced, I believe. Two-sided, I don't. Maybe she could get another $250,000, much like her uh, Wall Street speeches, to hang out at the Super Bowl at uh, Center Field and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do the coin toss for the team, give them an advantage. But uh, it's a kind of magic. Yeah. yeah no, so I, at the beginning, you know, Trump started a little slow and s- slow for mm. like the first five minutes. And, you know, it's just what an awkward situation too. like the tension. I don't think I've felt like a more tension filled moment uh, that I can even fathom in recent times. Just with like everyone knows where they're going. You have Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Willey, Paula Jones, Kathy Shelton watching. Bill Clinton's hanging out there, you know, with an oh shit look on his face. Like it, this is just these combustible you gotta elements. You got to see this picture. Oh yeah. yeah but we'll link to this picture. Uh, you got to see this. This is the face of a man who's praying for death and only defying it because he knows he's going straight to hell for what he did to these women. So uh, you got to look at this. This is like a, a Macbeth face. This is like a face of a soul in torment. Well, I shouldn't say soul. It's probably an insult to those who actually have souls. But, uh, yeah, it was. It was. you knew they were going to start with it. And this is all the way back to the very first um, Republican debate, right? All the nominees, right? This is all the way back to um, – uh, to to the woman uh, saying, uh, oh, you know, fat pigs and Rosie O'Donnell, exactly the same thing. Like, do we? I know, I know that there was a lot of sports on, so maybe guys weren't watching. But can we? If you know a lot of women are watching and you want to bring up women's issues, does it have to be about this creepy stuff? Do women have no interest in defeating ISIS? Do women have no interest in healthcare? Do women have no interest in any of this stuff? Uh, at all. I mean, is it all just going to be about the feels and the danger and the, the creepy guys and the scary stories? I don't know. I mean, I, I, to tell, me, tell me I'm wrong uh, or tell me I'm not wrong, uh, you know, either Mike or in the comments below. You know, I talk about politics with women. Women call into the show. They have some interest in it. It's not just all about 
locker room conversation in a bus 11 years ago or or who called what what names or who who called what fat is this all that women are interested in well <laughs> i will point out that trump did go 90 minutes and didn't grab hillary clinton's pussy once during the entire debate <laughs> but uh yeah you know it's a little precious that uh while you actually have rape victims that hillary clinton you know, threatened, allegedly, 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 and uh, that Bill Clinton assaulted, allegedly, in the audience. We are somehow painting Donald Trump as the sexual predator in this whole dynamic. It's, I mean, if it wasn't the liberal media, yeah, no one would, this is so on the nose. I mean, this is just so ridiculous the way that this has been spun. If it wasn't happening in real life, if the entire media wasn't so in the tank for Hillary, you, no one would believe this in a story or a movie. It's just so absurd. But here we are, and this is the world we live. And thankfully, uh, Hillary didn't get too far in her Donald Trump is an evil predator talk, and she proceeded to fall on her face practically immediately as the debate got underway. So how do you want to approach this? Well, Seth, do you this, want to hit some big points, or what do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, let, let's hit a couple of the big points. So, I mean, <clears throat> as is the case, and this is, again, what he did with Megyn Kelly in the first Republican debate was, uh, you know, he's accused of this terrible ways of mistreating women. And, man, Democrats, glass houses, stones, I mean, this is insane, right? But uh, he basically says, okay, there was some locker room talk 11 years ago that I, you know, I'm not proud of it. He said, you know, I'm embarrassed by it. I apologize for it. He apologized I think this is his fifth apology, uh, at like least by the slide he went along. Duke. You got to do it hundred yeah. times for it to count. Be- because apparently liberals have no input. They're like it's just it's only output. There's no line in. No, There's no mic Hillary in. Hillary Clinton apologizes for her server, and that question should never ever be asked again. She apologized. It's done now, right? Do you understand? Well, I'm still waiting for the media to demand an apology from Hillary for lying to the family members of the people killed in Benghazi about what actually caused it, because it wasn't, of course, some internet tape, but it was a concern, a concerted Al Qaeda attack on the anniversary of 9/11. But of course, they're not going to ask for anything about that. And and even even her apology for the emails, we'll get to that in a second. Here, took how long? How long did it take to actually get an apology out of Hill Clinton, uh, out of Hillary Clinton for all of this sort of stuff? Because oh, first it was well, you know, it was fine. I was allowed to do it. I asked permission, and Colin Powell did it, and uh, there were no, uh, there was nothing uh, classified on it. Okay, that was that wasn't classified at the time. I mean, this just went on and on and on before she finally said it was a mistake and she apologized and took full responsibility responsibility for it. Which I never know what the hell that means. I mean, if you take full responsibility for it. What does that mean? Uh, what is the difference between you denying it and taking full responsibility for it? I don't know. Anyway, so so he actually apologized. Well, let me just say on five emails, just while we're on that point, she actually lied and said that she didn't have emails deleted after receiving a subpoena. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think she was mm-hmm. there clicking, you know, and deleting them herself. We, you know, you can look into the whole stone tier thing with the guy posting on Reddit asking, "How do I delete Hillary Clinton's emails or scrub her name from, you know, the title so it's not traceable?" Again, this you have some Well, he didn't guys? say he didn't say Hillary Clinton. He said <laughs> yeah, a, a uh, VIP, you know, we're inferring very, a, very very VIP wink wink nudge yeah. nudge. It's uh we uh, we can be pretty sure, but you know, just to put the caveats in um and so, yeah, within a few minutes, she's saying, well, well, uh, I've apologized for, for certain things. Donald Trump has never apologized, never apologized for things. It's like, lady, you were in the room. 
Do, do you not hear things in the room? Do you, do, you, I mean, do you think you're just talking to the FBI now and can claim you just didn't notice things that happened right in the room five minutes ago? I mean, uh, it's so dissociated. I mean, she is not good when she's not scripted. Like, she's not good. She's got her talking points, and she just regurgitates them. It's like watching a cat get rid of fur or like watching some mama bird regurgitate something into her kid's squawky beaks. She is not good at, at absorbing the room and working with the dynamic of what's actually being said. She's just like, talking point. You know, she's like the, the, the pull Barbie thing, you know? I hate math, right? She's just like the pull Barbie thing. These are the talking points I need to get across. It doesn't matter what's been said in the room. This is just what I'm going to spray, 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 spray and pray. Spray out your talking points and pray it works. In, in the first debate, she, you know, she wasn't on defense hardly at all. You know, there was yeah. the first 30 minutes that Trump did well, but then, you know, Trump started taking her bait and the moderator's bait. And quickly, you know, Trump would start rambling. And, you know, everyone thought, I should say everyone, but large swaths of the population thought that, Clinton won that debate and Trump didn't look very good. In this point, Trump had her on defense the entire debate, almost from the word go, and Clinton on defense was just a sad sight to behold. I haven't seen a slaughter that bad since some of Hillary Clinton's foreign policy. Some? You mean there's some that wasn't uh, that, that bad? Um, okay, so so he pivoted, of course, from, okay, we had some locker room talk. On the other hand, you know, ISIS is burning people alive in cages. And um, that seems, you know, obviously that's a pivot to say, and it's similar to what he said, we don't have time for political correctness, we got big problems and so on. I think that was a reasonable pivot. You know, he, he said, I, you know, I regret what I said, you know, I'm sorry about it, I'm embarrassed by it, but, you know, let's move on. Um, okay, so that's a reasonable apology. And dear God, they did actually get to move on. I mean, despite the fact that the moderators were circling and Trump at one point said, oh, here we go, three on one, right? Because they're constantly interrupting him, not interrupting Hillary. Oh, he was letting Hillary go pointing over. pointing that out, yeah, too, letting, every step of the yeah, way. Yeah, and he was saying to Cooper, why, why aren't you bringing this up? Why aren't you bringing this up? And and so pointing out, and I, I'm very pleased with that because that's what needed to be done, was just pointing out how bad these, um, uh, these moderators are in terms of their bias. And I'm glad he pointed it out because it's what everyone feels. And when you actually identify what people are feeling, you get a lot of credibility with them. Well, it's still amazing to me that uh, they have managed to turn a guy with $10 billion and all this media experience and charisma and personality into an underdog in a three-on-one attack <laughs> in the context of right. this debate. You know, they did it again. They did it again. You know, he's fighting everyone on the planet. It's Trump versus the world. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, I'm not going to go in order here when it comes to debate point stuff. But uh, the, the biggest the biggest thing in the debate had to be Donald Trump <laughs> actually making the announcement that he was going to appoint a special prosecutor, if elected president, to investigate Hillary Clinton, which you got to figure giant swaths of voters are going to vote for Trump solely for the reason that he's actually said this. Well, you were live in the 90s. Are you not an insane Democrat? You're behind this. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Clinton actually, probably the best singer of the night was Hillary saying, glad you're not in charge of law in this country. And Donald saying, because you'd be in jail. And it's just like, oh, and of course, Anderson Cooper had to jump in and be like, stop applauding. Stop. Stop. This looks bad. Stop applauding. Well, here's the thing. So I, I read some comments uh, on on Twitter uh, and and. You know, everyone to follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux because you'll get some some good stuff. Hi, Roseanne. But um, people misinterpreted this completely as they are want to do when they're biased. So people were saying, well, this is like a third world banana republic. If you've got one politician threatening to jail the other if they win the election, right, then that's considered to be some banana republic. First of all, <clears throat> Donald Trump did not threaten to jail Hillary Clinton because the president 
can't do that. And he's quite aware of that. He's had to appoint a special prosecutor. I don't know how that works. I assume they're going to get their subpoenas. There's going to be a grand jury. There's going to be examinations. And they're going to see if there's a proper case. There aren't a lot of people who think that James Comey did a very bang up job when it came to pursuing this. It's certainly from what I've read within the FBI, they're halfway to do a, a doing a cane mutiny and throwing him over in a, in a uh, burlap sack. But um, uh, so he's going to appoint a prosecutor. And he said, if I were in charge of the law, you would end up in jail. In other words, I would let the law do its job properly. And uh, I would let it go without Bill Clinton having a little private chat with uh, with attorney generals uh, uh, on their airplanes for 39 minutes uh, where you can, I can guarantee you they're not talking about uh, little things here and there and, and yoga classes and, and all that. And um, <clears throat> that would actually uh, go uh, through through the whole process. That's why he's not threatening threatening to jail her. He's saying, I don't think there was a good job that was done. And given that she wasn't charged, neither was she exonerated, she can certainly be investigated again. Well, essentially saying, and I'm going to restore that... the rule of law. And to be completely yeah. accurate, he said he's going to have his attorney general appoint a special prosecutor. So there's even, <laughs> even another even layer of division there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not many people that look at the whole Hillary Clinton thing, even amongst her supporters, and say, this seems completely above board. You know, there is the perception that the laws don't apply to the rich and don't apply to the powerful in the United States. Yep. And when you have that double standard, I mean, it's just going to lead to further division in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, addressing that, Trump is the law and order candidate. You know, I know lots of libertarians don't like the idea of stop and frisk and all this stuff, but you're not going to have people burning down cities with President Donald Trump. I can guarantee you that right now. That will not happen. So, I mean, after she gets the subpoena, according to Trump, she deletes, you know, tens of thousands of, of emails. Uh, there's stuff that's missing all over the place. That's according and she, to the FBI, oh, too. That's definitive. According to the FBI. So, I mean, this isn't even this isn't even a question. I mean, if you do, you destroy evidence that is under subpoena, as far as I understand it, that's kind of like a crime. And so uh, this isn't even like, you know, as they always say, it's not the crime, it's the cover up that, that gets some people. And, and so this isn't even a question. I mean, without a doubt, it seems to me that she broke the law. And so what are the consequences? Well, can anyone else do that kind of stuff? No, they can't. So uh, that is um, that is important. And I think there are lots of people who would really like to see this stuff sorted out. Well, or at least like a fair hearing. Yeah. This, this idea that the law doesn't apply to the rich and powerful, yeah, I think people are sick and tired of that. We uh, leaked in the WikiLeaks deal earlier this week on public and private positions from a Hillary Clinton uh, speech. She said, you have to sort of figure out how to, getting back to that word, balance, how to balance the public and private efforts that are necessary to be successful politically. And that's not just a comment about today. But if everyone's watching, you know, all of the backroom discussions and the deals, you know, then people get a little nervous, to say the least. So you need both a public and a private position. So everyone read that and pretty much interpreted it as I think it accurately is interpreted that, you know, she'll just say anything publicly and then she'll have a private position. And, you know, she documented some of those private positions in her emails, which we'll we'll get to um, in Podesta's emails. And we'll get to that. But so. <laughs> She was asked about this by the moderators, which, nice to see, I will say. Nice to see that she was actually asked about this, because it's a big deal. And her excuse, Steph, would you like to walk people through her movie review slash excuse for, you know, essentially lying to people? Well, you know, when you're live tweeting, you, you have to sort of jump out of the flow of the debate to, to write some something on, on, on Twitter. So I was jumping off that saying, wow, I'm really amazed that they're asking her about this. Now, usually what they do with this, if you've got a, a sort of lefty bunch of mods, what they'll do is they'll give a softball 
way of phrasing it, just to say, well, we asked about it and we kind of got it out of the way. You know, we asked about it, she gave an answer, we moved on, and then you can say, well, nobody can say we weren't objective because we did bring this thing up. And, and this is, a, people need to understand this. Just because they bring it up doesn't mean that they're cross-examining her. What they're doing is giving her a chance to give a plausible answer so that they can, uh, so that they can move on. Yep. And then they can say, well, it was, it was dealt with, you know, we've already, so this is nothing to do with, with grilling her. So I was, I don't know, tweeting something about that. <clears throat> and then I get back, you know, I'm focusing on what I'm writing, and I get back to, to listening to the debate, and I'm like, why are we getting a movie review? Why, why, why is she talking about some, some movie about, about Lincoln? Now, I, so you were watching, I assume, that part. I missed that transition. Why is she talking about a movie about Abraham Lincoln when she's got documentation saying, well, you know, I'll tell the public one thing, but don't worry, I get your back on this other thing, completely totally different. So her excuse for having a public and private position was, well, Abe Lincoln did it. Abe Lincoln did it. He he's the one that talked about it. And I, I heard about this from Steven Spielberg's Lincoln movie, which I watched. And then she talked about the movie and talked about Abraham Lincoln. So, I mean, I don't know how that hit everyone. But from what I saw on Twitter and what I saw <laughs> online so far, it pretty much hit everyone as Abe Lincoln told me I could lie. I mean, you know, four score and seven years ago, <laughs> told Hillary Clinton it was OK to lie. You know, so it's uh, Honest Abe has sent me a message through time saying, don't take my moniker seriously. Don't take what I'm told seriously and get a really bristly haircut. That's all I can tell you. Oh, and don't go see that play. That's the other thing I'd like to mention. <laughs> other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the show? Anyway, go Well, on. thankfully, Abe didn't die from a mysterious weightlifting accident. Something of the sort. <laughs> right. But, um, right. yeah, and Trump got in a zinger going like, you know, well, Honest Abe never told a lie. That's very different from you, Hillary. You know, he, I mean, he just, that stuff right there, the idea that she is going to blame this public and private position, which is essentially lying to the people, not being able to trust anything that she says now because she's outright said she's got private positions. It, Abe Lincoln did it, so therefore it's okay. I mean, using... <laughs> Using old politicians as human shield? Okay, that's great, Hillary. But uh, I think she just looked terribly coming off that, and she wasn't doing particularly great after the special prosecution singer either. So Now, is she, is she talking about that? Who knows, right? Is she talking about the Emancipation Proclamation that he said, you know, what I'm not for, but I mean, it turned out that he was. I mean, is that is that her her thing? I don't recall. I have a massive head injury. Uh, I don't recall now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't recall right. the specific variants of it but it was Abe Lincoln did it so therefore it's okay and I'm you know I'm sure there is nuance in that type of thing but when you're a politician whose brand is essentially associated with nonstop lying and they have you on paper being completely untruthful about many things including emails which he was again in this debate saying that they weren't deleted after receiving a subpoena which the FBI said themselves you know it's pretty tough to just go well Abe Lincoln told me I could lie so there you go no problem now again sort of jumping around in time earlier on he started talking about you know, Trump was talking about, well, this is just stuff that I said. It was never acted on. What about the stuff that is actually acted on in terms of real uh, abuse of women? And he started talking about Bill Clinton's uh, abuse of women and the fact that Bill Clinton was disbarred uh, for lying under oath, the fact that he was impeached, all of this kind of stuff. A lot of young people again, don't know this. I mean, the disbarment yeah. thing, especially like he's not allowed to practice law now because he lied under oath. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And of course, uh, given how he's like this, I don't know, to me, at least like creepy great uncle that you wouldn't want to leave uh, your pets alone with but uh, uh, he is trotted out as this like white-haired elder statesman uh, by the Democratic Party and so when you hear about this kind of stuff it's very much at odds with his public persona for those who weren't around in, in sort of the 80s and the 90s so when Trump talks about this stuff I think there's a lot of huh 
kind of stuff that comes along. And oh, a lot of Googling was done during this debate, I guarantee yeah. you. Well, we, we know that. We'll get to George Soros later. But, but um, uh, people are really, really sh- uh, surprised. Like, what, 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 Bill Clinton abuses women, and what is he talking about? And then they Google it, and it's just like, oh, do not click on the images. But um, th- she completely just, oh, well, it's not true. And then she, wow, what a non-answer. Now, when Trump didn't give something that was satisfying to the moderators, they jumped in and started debating with him. <laughs> really, really not holding on to any pretense of neutrality or objectivity, guys. Just wanted to mention that. Martha, yeah, just, late in the so, debate, she yelled at Trump, tell me what your strategy is. Yeah. So so the really important thing is to extract from Trump in the moment exactly how he's going to deal with Syria. But there's no need to actually have Hillary Clinton addressed the accusations that her husband is a serial abuser of women. There's people that in the can room. Do you have anything by. you'd like to say to them? I mean, that would be the natural question, but no, that's... Well, happening. they bring in a, the, the, the little boy in Syria. Yes, he, they, they bring in the little boy in Syria because apparently U.S. foreign policy needs to be driven entirely by sentimental photos. I mean, I have all sympathy for the boy in Syria, but there's lots of suffering in the world. That doesn't mean that everyone's got to run all over the place and destroy their own economy and get their people killed to try and solve it. When you don't solve it, just make it worse. And later she brought so up the 10-year-old Ethiopian kid who was concerned that Donald Trump might deport him. And it's like, OK, let's base all our policy ideas around 10-year-old Ethiopian kids. Thanks, Hillary. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we've got to deal with these kids who aren't even in the room. How about dealing with the women who are complaining about Bill Clinton's um, uh, abuses against them who are in the room? No, 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 we can't do that. So, I mean, just the fact that, well, you know, we asked it and she answered it. Let's move on. That's the only reason these softballs are lobbed in is so that we can say, well, it was asked and answered. Let's move on. She dealt with it. You don't have to keep asking these questions, though. Apparently, you have to keep asking Donald Trump every single time, every single question. Um, and, And so... The fact that he brought it up and that she obviously didn't address it. I mean, that was a really obvious non-addressal. For those of us who are experienced in politics, you see, you know, the fog. You know, when you try and grab uh, a squid underwater, it ejects this, uh, this ink, you know, and then you're not supposed to be able to find it. But this was a completely obvious one, like not even a, a, a bad pivot. You know, when Trump's at, uh, attacked against something like what you said 11 years ago, he says, yeah, I said it. It was bad. I'm sorry. And then he does the pivot. I mean, this was just like, it's all false. Hey, look, a rhododendron, aren't they pretty this time of year? Yeah, well, I'm sure, you know, Winita Broderick, Kathleen, Willie, Paula Jones, they're not going away. You know, they're, they're not going away, going away before November 8th. And Hillary Clinton's pivot on this whole thing was my friend Michelle Obama said, you know, if they go low, you go high, which Trump then again brought up, you know, the the tensions between the Obamas and the Clintons are pretty fierce. And in 2008, during the Obama um, Clinton race, Michelle Obama said that Hillary Clinton was unfit for the White House. I mean, this is on tape, folks. So it's like with friends like that, I don't know that you need enemies. But uh, yeah, they uh, the Obamas are not friends of the Clintons and vice versa. So, yeah, that that was, I, I think, a desperately bad, uh, bad pivot. Uh, so let's move on to the next big topic we've got. Well, since we're on Obama to some degree, it, I think the Obamacare deal was pretty interesting. You know, Trump wants to repeal Obamacare or replace it. And, you know, he's brought up some fair base market incentives like price transparency, which I don't think he mentioned in the debate, but it's part of his plan. In addition to, you know, removing the artificial lines around the states and, you know, a free market approach to healthcare, which, yay, that'd be great. Um, Hillary Clinton's like, well, you know, this thing's completely broken. And my husband did say it's completely crazy a couple weeks ago (laughs) and completely broken. But uh, we're just going to fix it because, you know, we can. No, no, but she she said and I, I think she said with a fair amount of emphasis 
Mike, that she really wanted to lower healthcare costs. Because if you just like she say really, it, it's she, a policy. She really wanted it. She really wanted it. Like, you know, I could become CEO of Apple by saying, I really want to help produce great products at great prices that people want to buy. I'm a business genius because I, you know, I can just, I can be a surgeon by saying, I really, really want your body to be healed and be, be better. Because, you know, feels and wants and desires and intention, that's all you need in this world. You don't actually have to go hunting with a sphere. You just have to sit there and say, I really, really want food. And boom, magically it falls out of the sky and into your belly. And so uh, I thought that her emotional emphasis was all that was needed. I mean, who needs plans when you have good-hearted intentions. Well, she started off the debate, and I wrote down some of these. She talked about celebrating diversity. She brought that one up a couple of times. Celebrating diversity. Okay. Making college affordable. No plan. Talk to boys and girls. Oh, okay. Talk to boys and girls. Don't let Bill do it. Positivity. Work together. Overcome. And then there's nothing America can't do. Well, except hold her accountable for her crimes. But uh, So this fluffy language, I mean, it completely dominates the majority of Hillary's talking points. You know, when you talk about actual substance, except for foreign policy, where she'll bore you with Middle Eastern names and, you know, generals and all this to the point where everyone listening's mind just completely fogs over and you just go, OK, just stop talking. It's fine. But fluffy language is pretty much in every other aspect of her uh, debating repertoire. And again, you know, I mean, I, I know this was going to be a female centric debate because the sports teams are on and all that. But man. I mean, I, I got to think that I saw some of this on Twitter, like women feeling like, oh, well, don't pander to us in this way. Don't just give us these empty hallmark drivel phrases. So we're stronger together. There's nothing we can't do. And it's like, I don't want to be encouraged in some vapid nonsense way. This is what you say to, to children who are really bad at art and have learning deficiencies. You know, that's a lovely picture. You can draw anything you want. I mean, it's like, don't treat me like a pile of tapioca brains you know i mean just just give me something that's, that's concrete and let me make my own mind up and this these empty phrases i mean it is it is repulsive to me like i have a physical i mean like hives you know like i just have this physical revulsion to it because it is so transparently stupid and it appeals to such transparently stupid people oh i just feel good because positive phrases okay i'll put a check mark in yeah why have i studied philosophy for 30 years when empty phrases can just you know I have a show called Everything I Say is True. Do you believe me? <laughs> Good. That saved me a lot of study and, and thought now, didn't it? Well, one of those lines, too, uh, was Hillary saying, you know, we've had Muslims in America since George Washington. It's like, okay, well, radical Islamic terrorism was not a problem in the United States back when George Washington was around. So slightly less of a problem now, and it's not like they were bringing in lots of uh, places, <laughs> lots of people well, you know, and uh, welfare the, uh, straight off the way to come into the country. Yeah. One of, the, uh, one of the first things that uh, Jefferson had to deal with was Barbary pirates, also known as Muslim pirates, who were causing a lot of trouble with, uh, with shipping. And, uh, you know, so this woman, uh, I don't know, it seems kind of tone deaf to me, you know, after the number of Islamic attacks in, in, in Europe and in uh, America. And, you know, I say this with all due sensitivity to the fact that a lot of Western powers, a lot of Western countries have decimated the Middle East. And I, I recognize all of that. And I've been fighting against that uh, since the, almost the very beginning of this show. But, you know, that having been said, the number of attacks and, and saying, you know, that the big problem is Islamophobia. Oh, I thought Trump's answer was not bad, you know, saying, yeah, it's, Islamophobia is a problem. You know, what would help 
is if Muslims cooperated in helping the FBI identify terrorists, which the FBI has said they've got almost no help from that. And he pointed out that the shooter in San Bernardino's family uh, shot up 14 people and, and uh, injured many more, that the, um, you know, there were family members over and so on and probably saw these bombs and guns littering all over the place and, and nobody said anything. And so I you know, I thought that, that your son or daughter or family member is planning a terrorist attack. I mean, uh, I don't know how divorced or dissociated you are from that relationship, but that's a big giant red flag. I don't believe any. I I might have actually mentioned, you know, again, I don't want to double, you know, sort of um, double guess Trump or whatever, right? Second guess Trump. But uh, you know, I might have mentioned that um not putting the uh Orlando nightclub shooter's father right behind Hillary Clinton uh, at the uh, DNC convention might have been something slightly more sensitive to the feelings of Americans who lost loved ones in that. Yeah, not only is Hillary Clinton getting all the Wall Street money, she's also got the support of terrorists. Yay. And she repeated the lie that um, terrorist organizations... Well, father of terrorists, yeah. (laughs) She repeated the lie that Donald Trump's face and, you know, verbiage was used to uh, recruit terrorists. Well, it wasn't used to recruit terrorists until she suggested it. So actually, Hillary Clinton gave terrorist ideas to use it. They had used Bill Clinton as <laughs> and his face and his imagery to recruit terrorists, but previous to that, they had not found Donald Trump, but she gave them the suggestion to use Trump to recruit, and they since have started doing so. So, in, in the middle of all this refugee talk, she talked about, well, you see, you just need to vet people, and I'm going to make sure that no one gets into the country that's going to cause a problem. No one! She's just going to sit there and mind read everyone coming into the country. She's got her Hillary mind ray. I have this giant wall of vetting magic that, you know, it repels anyone with bad intentions or their children. See, this is the thing, too. Sorry to interrupt, Mike, but the vetting process is not just about the people coming into the country. In England, the second generation of of, uh, immigrants uh, from certain cultures are more radicalized than the first generation. So you you can't just vet. It's down the line. It's down. Down the road. I mean, how can you possibly vet the third generation down that you can't? Well, and this too comes on the heels of the WikiLeaks, where she talked about refugee vetting. Let me just read a quote from October twenty eighth, twenty thirteen. I'm sorry, Mike, as the moderator, I'm going to have to interrupt you <laughs> and pivot to ask. I wasn't even why, talking why, about why, why Donald Trump. Yeah, no, why why Donald Trump is just so mean to women? Can we can we go back to that? Trump, sorry to interrupt you, Mike, but uh, we can't be having any of that. Time's up. Oh, commercial break. Uh, bye bye. Rhododendrons! Squirrel! (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're not Anderson Cooper. Um, So the quote is, So I think you're right to have gone places have gone to the places you visited because there's a discussion going on now across the region to try and see where there might be common ground to deal with the threat posed by extremism, and particularly with Syria, which is everyone quite worried. Jordan, because it's on their border, and they have hundreds of thousands of refugees, and they can't possibly vet all those refugees, so they don't know, you know, jihadists are coming in along with legitimate refugees. Turkey, for the same reason. So she, she's talking and acknowledged the impossibility of vetting these refugees. Yet... Come on in. You know, Trump uses the term extreme vetting, which I take to mean that if they don't have documentation, if they don't have paperwork, if you have no idea who these people are, and most of the people in Syria, there is no documentation, there is no paperwork, they have no idea, then those people don't get to come in. Is it anti-Muslim? No, I think it's just anti-bringing people into the country that you don't know who they are, which may be a problem. I mean, that's pretty cut and dry, bare bones, but somehow it's Islamophobic and Donald Trump is a terrible, dark person. Well, I think, you know, as far as policy goes, I'm pretty sure that 
you could widen the net so that anyone who arrives in America with no paperwork whatsoever doesn't get to come in. And that is not, that's not a religious test. That's do you have paperwork test? Uh, and that I think is, uh, is, is one thing. And you can, you can do it by country of origin. I mean, I mean, um, uh, this just happened. Uh, and so you could do this, uh, any number of ways. So you could just do what 86% or 83% of Americans want, which is basically stop immigration. 42 million over the last couple of decades. Yeah. Take a break. You know, it's just like people wolfing down food and not giving their bodies time to digest or anything like that. It's like, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Uh, and then, you know, hey, you know what? No immigrants for a while. Uh, that's what Ann Coulter is calling for a 10-year moratorium on immigration. Let's just see how this insane experiment of jamming all these cultures and religions and everything together, which has never been tried before in the history of the world uh, and certainly has never uh, achieved success when it's occurred organically, this jamming together because, you know, the, the, the people in charge of... Of, of immigration at the moment, uh, generally the left-wing media and the Democrats and to some degree the rhinos, they seem to be all very keen on having just about anyone who wants to come into the country who's willing to vote for bigger government and who has no history uh, with uh, general Western beliefs about smaller government. You know, the Democrats certainly are willing to invite anyone in who uh, wants a bigger government and wants to vote Democrat. Uh, but uh, the average Americans are like, mm, big too much, bit too much of a change. How about we slow this whole thing down and find out if it's going to actually work or not? Stuff the Petri dish called Europe is going so well for this experiment, so why don't we just expand it even more to the United States? So, I mean, naturally, the humanitarian question is, so, okay, there's, there's all these refugees, and what do you do? And Trump has a policy for that, and that's create a safe zone in Syria. And try and help them there. And we put out a presentation, um, I believe it's the truth about the Syrian refugee controversy, that breaks down how it's much, much cheaper to actually help people over there in Middle Eastern countries. And not important in the United States, where cost of living is much, much higher, and they likely don't even speak the language. I mean, I, I, this is the comparison I draw. If you dropped a poor black kid from Detroit into China... You know, how are they going to do? They don't speak the language. They don't understand the culture. It's, you know, how are they going to succeed? You're putting them in a terrible position. If you set up safe zones in Syria, I mean, at least those people have a chance in of trying to rebuild something. They're around similar culture. You know, they can speak the language. It's not just dropping them into something completely foreign where their chance of success is zero and they're going to have to be on welfare until the end of time. So, Trump has a policy that seems to far outweigh Hillary's policy on that, which is, you know, let's just bring in more. More people to now, nah, but Hil Hillary's policy is just bringing people who will vote for Hillary. I mean, if they could set up absentee ballots from from the Syrian safe zone and still have those people vote for Democrats, but it's all it's just about voting for Democrats. I have no interest in in any sort of multiculturalism or anything like that. I mean, it's like we we value our diversity, but half of Donald Trump supporters are irredeemable racist, sexist, homophobes, and so on. Right? So I mean, it's like, oh come on! I mean, don't give me this diversity crap. You just want everyone who's going to vote on the left. You're a power hungry witch, and I yeah. I get that. I mean, that all makes sense to me from a sort of amoral um, uh, in pursuit of the, the giant ring of power stuff, but it's got nothing to do with wanting to help people over there. There's terrible stuff happening all over the world. There always will be, at least for the foreseeable future, and uh, you still don't have to shred your entire economy and, and destroy your uh, your youth and, and uh, all of that uh, just to go in, in hot pursuit of I don't know, can we destabilize a bunch of countries so that we can import people who are going to vote Democrat? That is not an argument. Although it is actually quite effective, sadly enough. Well, let's go back to the WikiLeaks deal. Something else came out which was fairly interesting. Hillary Clinton on May 16th, 2013, talking about 
My dream in a, is a hemispheric common market with open trade and open borders sometime in the future with energy that is as green and sustainable as we can get, powering growth and opportunity for every person in the hemisphere. So <laughs> Hillary's dream is open borders. Now, this is after she has repeatedly denied that her dream is open borders, that her plans are for open borders. And you have PolitiFact, the Associated Press, CNN, FactCheck.org, Washington Post, all these other media sources carrying water for her and saying, no, she's never outright said that she supports open borders, despite anyone with a brain looking at her policy and actions and going, it's pretty clear that she's going to, you know, grant amnesty for everyone that's here and wants to bring in more people. And, you know, if you say you're going to increase the refugee percentage by 550 percent, it's a government program. You know, it's going to be more. <laughs> so, Well, I mean, this um, open borders thing, it makes it's, it's, as I mentioned before, it's a complete oxymoron. There's no such thing as if you've got open, it's no border. It's simply not a border. Uh, it is just a line you can cross uh, that is completely imaginary. So she's basically saying that she wants to be the last president of the United States because she doesn't want the United States to exist afterwards because open borders is exactly that. And you know, see, open borders as well, uh, you know, in one way it's like, oh, well, you know, free travel and so on. But everybody knows exactly which direction that travel is going to go. It's going to go south to north. It's going to, you know, it's not like a lot of people in Canada. Well, I guess if some would like to go to Florida <laughs> in, in the winter, but it's not like you're going to get masses of, of people moving from Canada to America. It's going to be a one way massive uh, gravy train of welfare dependent uh, migrants coming across from uh, South and Central America who are going to sit there and consume welfare at ungodly rates, uh, 70 to 80 percent, according to some estimates, and uh, going to vote Democrat. So she, what she wants to do is, is that there's a border between people who want to vote Democrat uh, who, who would like to come into the country because the Democrats have nothing left to give the poor in America. All they can do is sell American prosperity to foreigners. That's the only thing they've got left on the table. So, yeah, she wants to be the last president of America because open borders will destroy it, as we know. And the one thing I thought was funny, you know, because this, this, whenever they say hard work, you know, on the left, you know, that's the opposite. Because she said to the woman, I think, uh, about uh, Islamophobia, uh, she was saying, well, you know, everyone who we want all people, all hardworking Americans to feel like they belong. All people who come to America who are hardworking, should blah, blah, blah. Right? It's like, oh, so what? No more welfare for immigrants? Because I don't think a lot of immigrants are coming to America because they really want to work hard. I think they're coming to America because they get five or 10 or 15 times the amount of goodies they could get in their home country for free. And I think that's kind of different than how people used to come to America in the 19th century before the giant welfare state. Yep, well put. Nation of immigrants. Well, there wasn't welfare way back when. It's a little different now. So the other point um, that I thought was pretty interesting was Trump flat out called Hillary on the idea of arming the Kurds, you know, and arming all these people in the Middle East that, you know, you don't really know who they are. And boy, the last seven times groups that we've armed have turned on the United States. But maybe this time it'll be different. And, you know, Hillary was very enthusiastic about arming the Kurds and whatnot and to, to fight terrorism and all that. And Trump just called her out. We're giving weapons to people. We don't even know who they are. And the next day they're our enemy. And why are we going to continue this cycle? You know, this is the person with all the foreign policy experience, Hillary Clinton, getting completely owned on the debate stage by Trump pointing out the obvious to, you know, people that, you know, they don't know a whole lot about Syria, but they can look at, OK, the last 10 times this happened. Well, I'm going to bet that, you know, the, the next one is not going to go our way either. Well, to be fair to Hillary, though, Mike, I mean, she has this magic betting power. So not only she can, can she tell without, but she can just, I think she just stares into people's eyes and, and she can know 
unto the 10th generation what the future of their ideology or religion or belief system is going to be and the effects it's going to have. So I would assume in the same way she'll go over and, you know, grip the skulls of the Kurds like Hamlet with Yorick and she'll stare deep into their eyes. You know, one of them may have a soul and she's going to stare deep into their eyes and she's going to use her car-like hypnotic powers to figure out if they're good-hearted, genuine, pro-democratic Kurds unto the 10th generation or just people who want American weapons because they like to make things go boom. Well, given that she couldn't properly vet Alicia Mercado before she, you know, made the centerpiece of her campaign after the last debate, and uh, that wound up going so poorly that Mercado said, I'm not talking about Trump anymore. I'm done. I'm done talking about Trump. Cause, uh, you or, know. you know, you could say, did she vet her husband very well? Uh, did she vet her right-hand woman and her husband? No. <laughs> Anthony Weiner, who's currently being investigated for sexting rape fantasies to a 15-year-old. Yay, Hillary. I'm with her. Yeah. 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 Uma Abedin uh, had her Blackberry sitting around. There's some reports that he might have ag- had access to it. He seems to be quite a blackmailable kind of fellow. Uh, if he's breathing, you can blackmail him. Uh, so blackmail, Blackberry. Anyway, this is all not very good vetting. You know, I'll believe that she can stare into the soul of, of, of immigrants uh, or refugees and, and figure out what they're going to be doing under the 10th generation when she has some slightly less blackmailable people in her vicinity. One possibility. Um, all right. Do we have, uh, I think there's one or two more that we can chew through. Cause yeah, I'll just real I'm quick, I'll just night. point out the, um, again, we went through all the common tropes, which you can look at the untruth of about Donald Trump for, you know, the Khan family, the Khan family, the Mexican judge, the handicapped. Oh, the Khan family. Well, Ooh, listen. <laughs> go stuff. I was going to get there, but go for it. Now you Okay, so the Khan family. So uh, there were 14 Muslims who were serving in the Middle East uh, in these wars. But coincidentally enough, and again, I lean on Ann Coulter for this, uh, uh, that was the number of Americans killed by Muslims, uh, you know, other soldiers, right, uh, killed by Muslims in the Middle East. But anyway, Donald Trump's answer to, that, answer to that was fantastic. First of all, he never insulted these family. He said Khan seemed like a very nice fellow and so on. But his answer was, and we've talked about this before, and, and I'm sure lots of people have, but uh, his answer was, uh, Trump's answer was, well, if, uh, if I'd been president, uh, the son would still be alive because we wouldn't have gone into Iraq. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a mic drop moment in the context of the debate, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. So past that, there was the other tr- common trope that gets brought up all the time that I haven't had the chance to talk about on the show, which is the handicapped reporter. Donald Trump mocked the handicapped reporter. Now, we, we did a segment on this in The Untruth About Donald Trump, which, which is worth watching. Um, Ann Coulter dedicated an entire chapter in her new book, In Trump We Trust, to debunking this. But even since that book came out, there's new video that shows Donald Trump mocking Ted Cruz, mocking himself, and mocking Marco Rubio with the same kind of just hands flailing gestures. So now there's so much evidence out there that this, you know, he's mocking the handicapped reporter. If you freeze frame the video at a certain time and his hand is bent in this way, it's complete nonsense. It's been debunked. And can we stop bringing it up for Christ's sake? Apparently not. No. No, nope. we can never. <laughs> the same thing with apparently Trump thinks that some judge is unqualified because he's got a Hispanic origin when that's not, of course, the, the, not the issue at all, which we've talked about a million times. But it's I think it's wonderful that they keep bringing up this old stuff, which has been so, so thoroughly debunked because it allows you out there in the Internet 
to ask people if they've heard this and if they're like, oh, yeah, he did this and he's, he's racist because of that and he makes fun of handicapped people. It's like, OK, so you only read like your tiny little slice of leftist propaganda. You can't think whatsoever. You have no uh, uh, no access to information outside your little biosphere of leftist uh, navel gazing. So good. I can move on. And the fact that they keep bringing up these same discredited, completely discredited tropes is wonderful because, again, it means right now, at least they got nothing better. Oh, you know what I could really use is another, yes, I did, no, I didn't, yes, I did, no, I didn't, over whether Trump supported the Iraq war. That's really helpful in the context of these debates. And again, we cover that in the third version of The Untruth About Donald Trump. You can go check it out. Now, the other thing that I think is important to bring up is Hillary Clinton, in the middle of this debate, for whatever reason, announced that she has a plan to revitalize coal miners and coal mining, which is kind of interesting considering a month ago she boasted about putting old coal miners out of business. So that's a rapid reversal. Kind of interesting how that worked. I guess she wants to win Ohio or Pennsylvania. It's kind of how that works. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. Maybe she's going to reinvent them as Starbucks baristas or homeless people or garbage pickers. Uh, maybe that's she's going to get them some exercise. She's going to get them out into the clean air. Maybe the 10-year-old Ethiopian yeah. said, no, don't, don't end the coal miners. And she said, okay. She's going to, you know, she's going to get them out of the mines uh, into the fresh air trying to sell oranges on uh, a median of a highway. That's, you know, that's her big plan, you know, get some fresh air, some exercise, some sunshine might be fine for them. Another interesting point in this, and I think a lot of people skip over this or view this as a negative, but um, when Trump just outright said, I disagree with uh, my running mate, Mike Pence, when it comes to Middle Eastern policy, I, I just, I really enjoy that. Just how blunt he was about it. Like, you know, people can disagree and here's Trump. They, they were like trying to corner him. Well, your running mate said this. Are you going to go? And he's like, yeah, I disagree with him on that. It's like, oh, OK. And he just owned it and uh, spoke the disagreement. And, you know, if you own something, it's kind of hard to hit someone on it. So that was an interesting part. And what's wrong? I mean, do they have to be photocopies of each other? Apparently so. Well, I'd, I'd I mean, like they not allowed more to if have... he was a photocopy of Trump, but that's yeah, not allowed to have. And they have different, uh, you know, they're different religious denominations, as far as I understand it, or different religious approaches. They have different opinions. And um, <laughs> like when Trump was saying, <clears throat> "Why do you keep talking about exactly where you're going to do your airstrikes to kill people? Because then they're not there." You know, I mean, if you're a tennis player and you point where you're going to hit the ball, you're not going to win a lot of matches. And then the moderator jumped and, in and said, well, sometimes you have to get civilians out of the area. And it's like you're, you're proving Trump's point. Psychological warfare. No, no, no. And, you know, I tweeted this out and it's like, yeah, just, just imagine how much more effective D-Day would have been uh, if, if the Nazis had known the exact time and place that it was going to occur. Just imagine uh, uh, just how wonderfully that operation would have gone. It would have been like the first 10 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, but that would be the whole movie, just looped over and over and over again. Uh, and of course, despite zero evidence to show that this is the case, we had to hear the claims that somehow Russia is trying to hack the U.S. election. You know, Russia is behind the, the hacks. Hillary's server wasn't breached and wasn't hacked, but if it was hacked, Russia did it. I, she knows very strongly. Uh, so, yes, we had to hear again that, you know, all this WikiLeaks stuff is Russia. Again, there's no evidence that that's the case. WikiLeaks has not said anything about where this has come from, but somehow Hillary Clinton knows it's Russia. Why? Because that's the narrative they're running with, and she really, really desperately wants to go to war with Vladimir Putin. That's clear. And please, dear God, when she says there's no evidence her server was hacked, that means nothing. 
nothing. I mean, how many times, you know, did they ever notice? I mean, the, the, the people were in there walking around Sony's computer systems for what, a month to a, months to a year before they ever figured it out? And they only figured it out because they were locked out and, and people started spilling stuff? I mean, the whole point of being a good hacker, as far as I understand it, is you don't leave a footprint. You don't leave a footprint. Also a little tough to find evidence when you've scrubbed the server. But... Uh, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, this, the, the cat burglar who can seemingly walk through walls has left no evidence that he was in my apartment. It's like, that's right, because he's a cat burglar who could walk through walls. I mean, I, there's no evidence that I was hacked. It's like, if people did hack you, they probably would be holding on pretty tight to those emails because that would be the great value. Because as soon as you know you've been hacked, people change. They want the fog of war over U.S. foreign policy. So if, if, if anyone did hack it, they're going to keep it pretty damn quiet because as soon as they reveal what's been hacked, the U.S. can take appropriate action to, to stem the damage. The real damage is if you don't know. Again, I'm not saying she was hacked. There's no proof. But saying there's no proof that she was hacked, it, it, it means nothing. And, and especially once you've destroyed the server. Anyway. Uh, well, you know, Hillary stuff would just say, you know, fact check, fact check, everyone go online, fact check, and that would dismiss any points that you have to rebut her argument. And it would be if people trusted the media to fact check anything, but uh, the vast majority of people don't trust the media to uh, to do anything. I mean, they wouldn't trust them to be a dog sitter. <sighs> so that's, I mean, that seems to be the general big points in this debate. And again, it was a Trump slaughter. It, I mean, this was this was what all the Trump supporters wanted from the first debate. <laughs> I could say pretty strongly. Hillary was on defense the entire time. Trump got in tons of zingers, completely outwitted her at just about every point. I mean, was there? Do you, can you think of any strong points that Hillary hit? I don't mean good points, but I just mean stuff that people would have the perception was a positive. I hate to use this phrase because it's coarse. That shit-eating grin is not doing her any favors. I said this about the first debate. I'll probably say this about the third debate. You know, when he's talking about the destruction of the Middle East, when he's talking about Libya and Syria, which uh, Hillary had a huge involvement in, she was really part of the whole central decision to take out Gaddafi, thus destroying the richest nation in Africa and opening up the gateway to all the migrants who are swamping Europe and, and destroying Europe, uh, Europe's uh, fiscal safety net and all of that. You know, when, when Donald Trump is talking about your husband being a, 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 an abuser of women, when he's talking about the destruction of the Middle East, don't smile. Like, just that, that, that makes you look like you've got some internal carnival music going on in your head that's blocking out human sounds from the outside. That, that is not a healthy smile, you know. Oh, yes, well, the Middle East, it's true, it was destroyed, giggle, giggle. It's like that shit-eating grin is absolutely not doing her any favors to anyone who's got an ounce of empathy. These are very, very serious issues that are being talked about and smiling about it like you're just this Cheshire crack, Cheshire cat, beatific grin of being so much above it all. Number one. Number two, don't talk about taking the high road. All she does is hit on Trump for inconsequential crap and, and repeat lies uh, about it that are discredited and then don't say, well, you know, if I'm struck back, I'm going to take the high road. And it's like, None of this is doing her any favors. And of course, you know, the people who are just going to, oh, she's Hillary Clinton. She gives me free stuff. I'll vote for that. Okay, fine. I understand that. But there are still a bunch of undecideds. By the way, I don't think any of those undecideds were actually in the audience. Who did we have? A teacher. 
huh, I wonder if teachers generally vote Democrat or not. I wonder if teachers are big fans of Donald Trump's goal, plan, and idea to introduce voucher systems so parents have some control over where their children go and there'll be some tiny little bit of market uh, forces at work in the educational industry. Uh, I'm going to just go out on a guess based on the, you know, the Muslims vote overwhelmingly Democrats and they're just a bunch of other cocky looking people and, and to people who didn't look like they had much together or much going on in their lives. It's like, I don't really think that they're truly undecided. Um, the teacher was, was not Rebecca particular. Fredericks from the Fredericks versus California Teachers Association. Our guest. Yeah, case, the wonderful yes. Rebecca. Was, yeah, was, that not was not her. Not her. Not her. Not her at all. So um, Donald Trump's campaign, which, you know, the media had proclaimed dead and buried. He'd lost. It's over. They said it's over as of a couple of days ago. Well, just like they said in August, September, October, <laughs> November, December, every every couple of weeks, Donald Trump's campaign is over. Well, it's not over, folks. And he just kicked Hillary Clinton's backside in a debate. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting what we got now. So some days, to mention. it's not over. If, if if only he'd had a comeback of some kind before, Mike. I mean, if only if only at some point if in his life. If only he displayed some semblance of competence in this political arena. I mean, he openly said, "I do my best when I'm when I'm my back's to the wall. I do my best when I'm down and out. I'm the comeback king, and this is this is his big. He's the comeback king. So everybody, you know, pro- 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 uh, proclaiming his his candidacy dead in the water and so on. It's like. A wish is not a fact. Uh, and, and knowing, I mean, I went in with some trepidation, but I was fairly confident that he was going to do a great job in this debate. And he did. And now everyone understands why he's the front runner, at least on the Republican side. Everyone understands why the Republicans are interested in him. Everyone understands that the Republicans who are voting for him or are supporting him like him a hell of a lot better than they like the Republican Party. And everyone understands that it is truly Trump against the world of power, the world of politics, the world of entrenched interests, the world of lobbying, the world of all the people who are feasting on the body politic and destroying the dream of Western liberties. It is Trump against the world of those people. And if Trump wins against those people, the Western world and maybe even the rest of the world will win as a result. And I think that is a very powerful thing to see. And I was very excited to see it in full-fledged display tonight. Beautifully put, stuff. And one last thing I just want to note. Expect to see lots of Democrat plus 20 polling where they sample 20 <laughs> percent more Democrats and Republicans because they're going to need to you know, rig that up again in order to maintain the illusion that they're close to even. Because even with this, and you know, there's polls that have come out since the whole Trump tape thing dropped, he lost 1%, which is within the margin of error in some of these polls. So it had pretty much no effect whatsoever, despite the media and the Republican establishment, and of course the Democrats, freaking out about it and proclaiming his campaign is over. So after this performance where she got royally toasted, and I think we're going to get another WikiLeaks drop, we're supposed to get one every Monday or at least once a week until the election – there's a lot of stuff coming Hillary's way, and lots of people are Googling, hey, well, who's Juanita Broderick? Well, they're going to find out. So, yeah, it's not looking too good for Hillary Clinton moving forward, and Donald Trump's demise has once again been grossly overstated. So I look forward to the next debate, the third and final one. And until then, hope everyone has a great night. Anything else, Steph? freedomainradio.com slash donate. Please, please, please help us out. And for those who have been watching on video, I'm sorry about the fly. Uh- <laughs> 
he's too fast for me because, you know, at 49, I could have totally whacked him, but at 50, I can't. So freedomainradio.com slash donate. Uh, please, please, please help us out. Help us continue to do the work that we're doing. Help us buy the vast handfuls of quaaludes we need to get through these exciting times. And we promise to try and bring you the very best conversations about these absolutely essential matters. Thank you, everyone, so much for, uh, for watching, for listening. We look forward to your comments below. Thanks, of course, to Mike for a great conversation. We'll talk to you soon.